I know that many of you don't watch TV or are discouraged with the state of secular television, but I love TV, and so I have not been able to avoid ads for this new show titled GCB, based on a book titled Good Christian Bitches. ABC changed the name to Good Christian Bells as a response to criticism, but bells or whatever, the content of the show is still the same. From what I understand, and I didn't watch the first episode, the show is a desperate housewives, but with a southern twist. The twist, of course, is that they are Christian. But does that make a difference? It seems that these characters are involved in the same antics of the Desperate Housewives, with infidelity, homosexuality, gossip, boob jobs, and superficial and materialistic values. Who cares that they go to church on Sunday? And maybe I'm wrong, maybe the fact that they are Christian will make a difference in how the characters behave. It should. But I doubt that the program would be any different if you just removed the C from GCB. What bothers me is that this gets produced. Someone somewhere thinks that this is the reality among Christians. Now true, Christians are sinners like everybody else. There is infidelity and teenage pregnancies among Christians. Christians struggle with superficial values. But if the writers and producers of the program are not faithful Christians themselves, then how can they possibly do justice to these topics? How can they show Christianity in a way that doesn't present us as hypocrites and liars? And why is it that they can do this about Christianity? You'd never see a show titled Good Muslim or Good Jewish Bitches or Bells. So here we go again. People will learn about Christianity based on what they watch on this show. And it's not true and it's not fair. But knowing the reaches of the Christian right in the United States, I doubt that this program will go far. We'll see. What do I propose? Watch Salt and Light TV instead. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Today, Danny Torquia will be back with us with his Media Ministry Minutes. That's going to be in about 20 minutes. And Andrew Santos and Sheridan will be joining us from Ottawa for both their segments. They're there for the National uh, Youth Ministers Conference and Chris Dimitrenko is here with me right now. Chris, what are our headlines today? Well, we're going to be talking about what happened to Jesus's tunic. That's right. It might seem like old news, but it's in the news <laughs> again. Um, uh, we're going to be talking about the Pope at the general audience. He finished his series on the prayer of Jesus and he spoke about silence. So we'll be discussing why silence is important, particularly during Lent. And finally, Pedro, we're going to be talking about some contemporary martyrs and asking whether they're going to be um, recognized as saints. Okay, mm -hmm. excellent. So details on those stories yeah. are, are coming up soon. But first, Chris, I want to, you know, we've been talking for the last couple of weeks about Brett uh, Salkeld and Leah Perot's book, How Far Can You Go? You've read it. Great book, yes. yes mm -hmm. It is a good book. Um, we've known Brett and, and Leah for a while now. This book uh, really makes you think about how we as a society are teaching our kids about sex. Um, and we've been promoting the book, like I said, for the last couple of weeks. And we'll be having Brett and Leah in our program uh, in about two weeks from now. So uh, just, just something to remind our listeners to uh, plug in in a couple of weeks for that interview. Um, but today, have you ever read uh, any uh, Doctors of the Church, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Augustine? Do you have issues with understanding what they these <laughs> people were writing? 
Um, to be honest, I can't say I'm particularly well read in that regard. No, Pedro. you know what? I think most people uh, maybe have a desire, but they start and they struggle. That was my case. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I met with uh, Ralph Martin from Renewal Ministries last week. He was uh, here at Salt and Light, and he wrote a book called The Fulfillment of All Desire, which turns out to be, it, it, it's, he says it's a guidebook for our journey to God based on the wisdom of some of the doctors of the church mm. or so wisdom of the saints, but it turns out that he's using specific uh, writings from seven of the doctors of the church, and it turns out that it's a really good guide to understanding ah, the okay. doctors of the church. So mm-hmm. we're going to be Making speaking it a little bit more accessible. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be speaking with uh, Ralph Martin in our second half hour. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. And our featured artist of the week is Chris Bray. Once again, he has a new hit single. Um, so he's going to also be speaking with us at the uh, towards the end of the program. And we're going to begin with uh, his song. Uh, we receive. So here's Chris Bray with We Receive. And on the night he was betrayed, he broke bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We receive the body of Christ broken for all. We receive, we receive His precious blood. Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. For as often as you eat it and drink, proclaim his death till he comes. We receive, we receive. Precious blood 
Chris Bray with We Receive. We'll be speaking with Chris Bray in the second half of our program, uh, but Chris is still here now. So, Jesus's tunic, it's its that appeared somewhere? Well, what do you think happened? Well, first of all, do you remember what happened to, to his tunic so before he's crucified? The, this is the tunic that was not divided. It was, r- they, they threw, cast lots for it. Exactly. The okay. Roman soldiers cast lots for it. And well, what do you think happened to the tunic after that? Some soldier took it home. <laughs> Presumably. <laughs> well, it's believed to still exist in a cathedral in Trier, Germany. And I learned about it because it was announced this week that Cardinal Mark Willette will be going on a pilgrimage to see it. Uh-huh. Cardinal Willette is the head of the Congregation for Bishops, and he's also the former Archbishop of Quebec City. And he's going on the Pope's behalf to see this tunic. It's called the Holy Robe. And uh, it marks the 500th anniversary of the first pilgrimage to the Holy Robe. And it's on display from April 13th to May 13th, if you happen to be in (laughs) Trier, (laughs) Germany. Germany. Okay, Mm -hmm. I'll put that in my calendar. Well, why is it in Germany, Um, you might be asking. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Well, Emperor Constantine, uh, his mother, St. Helena, um, had uh, discovered... The uh, cross. Yes, yeah. the believed to be the, the true cross of Jesus in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. There's a chapel uh, dedicated yeah. to her there. And so uh, the story goes that she found it there as well, and she brought it from the Holy Land and gave it to the bishop there in Germany. And very rarely is this on display. The last exposition was in 1996. So it's a rare opportunity. Okay. And uh, and so that's why the cardinal is going to see it. Interesting. Um now, it hasn't been scientifically authenticated, so um, we don't really know whether it's, it's the robe or not from, from the view of science, but from the view of tradition, many people belu- believe it is. Right. Now, incidentally, the cardinal's workload did grow a little bit more this week. Uh, he was an, a num- one of a number of cardinals named to the Congregation for uh, Oriental Churches. So uh, he's got a little more work now. Um, now... Again in the Vatican, um, the Pope, his general audience, he concluded his series dedicated to the prayer of Jesus. And when we think of the prayer of Jesus, we often think about maybe what he said. We don't necessarily think about the silence. Well, the Pope says that only in silence can the Word, the Word of God, find a place to dwell within us. The Pope says, though, that our age doesn't really favor reflection and contemplation. I'm sure we can all agree with that. Quite the contrary, he says, it seems that people are afraid to detach themselves even for an instant from the spate of words and images which mark and fill our days. And you can see that with people. If they're waiting mm-hmm. for the subway, they've got to have their, mm-hmm. you know, their iPhone. They've got to have something to distract Filling themselves. The space, yeah. Exactly. And uh, the Pope says that in our prayers, even in our prayers, we often find ourselves facing the silence of God, and we almost experience a sense of abandonment. It seems that God does not listen or does not respond. But the silence, as happened to Jesus, Jesus experienced the silence too, doesn't mean that God is absent, mm-hmm. but we know that the Lord is present and is listening. And uh, the Pope added that uh, the principle of silence isn't just true for individual prayer, but we also need it in our liturgies to help facilitate authentic listening. 
Now, finally, Pedro, as you know, we are living in an age of contemporary martyrs. And a great numbers of Christians are being persecuted and even killed because of their faith. Which makes you wonder which modern-day martyrs will be declared saints. And a Scottish cardinal thinks that a politician from Pakistan might be canonized in the future. And uh, his name is Shabazz Badi. And uh, Cardinal Keith O'Brien from Scotland, he issued a statement to mark the first anniversary of his assassination. Now, Badi was the Federal Minister of Minorities in Pakistan, and he was also a Catholic. And he vocally opposed what is called the blasphemy law in that country, uh, which human rights activists say has been used to target minorities, and particularly Christians. The most famous of these cases is a woman named Asia Bibi who remains in prison mm -hmm. and could face the death penalty. Uh, she's been in that prison for, I, I guess, I think a couple of years now. Yes. Um, she allegedly blasphemed the Muslim prophet Muhammad. That's a charge that she denies. Now, Badi commented before his death that he was ready to die for his faith. He knew that it was very dangerous for him to oppose this law. And a group linked with the Taliban did claim responsibility, but his killers remain at large. Yeah. Well, mm. that's a uh, you never we never think about that, but I mean I remember him. I remember him his assassination, mm -hmm. and so it'd be interesting to uh, to see how it unfolds in terms of his uh, canonization. I well, guess. you know, you hope that a hero like that yeah. won't be forgotten. No, absolutely, and maybe in our lifetime. Yeah. Thank you very much, Krista Matrinko, our Salt and Light Radio News producer. Remember, send us an email if you'd like to comment on anything you hear on this program. Radio at saltandlighttv.org. I'm Sister Marie Paul Curley from Windows to the Soul, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And if you work for a Catholic organization and you want the secular media to pay attention to you, stay tuned because coming up is Danny Torquia with Media Ministry Minutes. But first... Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Andrew joins us from Ottawa today. He's there for the National Youth Ministers Conference. Andrew, welcome. Pedro, thanks so much. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not uh, right next to you, but uh, this will do. This will do. Looking so how's it going? You. You, you're enjoying Ottawa? Yeah, all is good. Um, I'm here in Ottawa for this year's 2012 Canadian Catholic Youth Ministry Networking Conference. Mm -hmm. So I had the chance to spent some time this week uh, inside the Notre Dame Cathedral Basilica, which is the principal church for the Archdiocese of Ottawa. Right. I learned something interesting. Okay. St. Patrick is one of the patron saints for the Archdiocese of Ottawa. Really? Yeah, so that's where we begin. Okay. Um, with uh, St. Patrick's Day coming up, uh, uh -huh. March is well-renowned for St. Patrick's Day, so yeah. I thought we would uh, spend some time talking about that, especially considering... Uh, what we're up to this Okay, week. good. So St. Patrick. St. Patrick Saint of the week. was a Christian missionary. He was born in Britain to a Romanized family. Uh, Pedro, we only know a little bit about his life, and that is only because there are two authentic letters that detail um, much about his life. Okay. When he was 16 years old, he was captured in Britain by Irish raiders, and he was taken as a slave to Ireland. Right. He ended up escaping Ireland, and he returned to Britain, his home country, and that's where he became a bishop. In uh -huh. Britain, when he was back there, he came really, really close to starvation. And he was also very close to being captured again, 
but he managed to escape that. Right. So he had the chance to, you know, be in Britain and reunite with his family. Now, in the Confessio, which is St. Patrick's public spiritual autobiography, Pedro, have you read his Confessio? No, I haven't. I haven't even heard of it. Okay, so it tells us about a dream he had after his return to Britain. So St. Patrick received a letter labeled The Voice of the Irish. Uh huh. As he read it, he understood the calling and um, the desire of the Irish people for him to return to Ireland. Uh-huh. So he was really taken back by it. He couldn't read any more. He couldn't read any more of it, and he was really deeply moved by the letter. So um, he was reluctant to go back for the longest time to Ireland. But then, you know, the spirit moved him, and he ended up going back. Once he was in Ireland, all of his fears, all of his worries disappeared. Mm. Um, the spirit led him to go throughout the country, go throughout Ireland, baptizing and confirming people. He brought many gifts to people, uh, but he didn't accept any in return. Uh Um, And then we know that at one point in time, during his uh, ministry in Ireland, he was cast into chains. Hmm. St. Patrick was always in fear of death, and he was always in fear of being martyred, especially uh, around those Irish who were non-Christians, because there was quite a a number of non-Christians. But his ministry, he had so much success. He was a very humble-minded man who always gave his thanks to God. Uh, Before the end of the 7th century, St. Patrick became a legendary person. Um, Many more legends uh, became uh, public about St. Patrick. Uh, We know a few famous ones. He pushed the snakes out of Ireland. Yes. Uh, He put them out into the sea. And uh, the most popular one... Um, is the shamrock, yeah. and that's where I'll that's where I'll conclude. Uh, the shamrock. He used the three clover little plant called yep. shamrock to explain the concept of the Trinity: mm-hmm. three persons and one God. To um, one person who really didn't who really didn't believe in it. Mm-hmm. So today, Irishmen and um, Irish people in general, they wear shamrocks, uh, which is the national flower of Ireland. They wear it on St. Patrick's Day on their lapel. Nice. So um, we celebrate in the Universal Church feast day of St. Patrick on March the 17th. And all in all, he is credited for bringing Christianity to Ireland. Excellent. And he's probably the only saint that gets a parade. Yes, so that's can, right. Yeah, so that's great. Thank you. I didn't know that he was a, one of the patrons of Ottawa, so that's good to know. St. Patrick, uh, March 17th is his feast day. Thank you very much, Andrew Santos. Uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend in Ottawa. Thanks so much, Pedro. See you soon. Andrew Santos, our saint expert, all the way from Ottawa in about five minutes. What's happening across our country, so stay tuned. Hi, I'm Tom Tomasek of TheFiveLoaves.com, coming to you from Portland and Oregon. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. God bless you. My name is Pedro. You can find Salt and Light on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can read our blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. But now, it's Media Ministry Minutes with Danny Torquia. Danny, welcome. Thanks, Pedro. So last time we were talking about, you, you were saying how we need to, you know, if you have an event, you need to uh, come up with maybe five different angles uh, to give the, the journalist, I guess, some options, you know, so that they don't have to think too much. Um, a- and how we have to write it in a, in a language that is, can you maybe kind of expand on that a little example? Well, the, f- the first thing is that we, we are acting like uh, service providers. Like I always say, put on your velvet gloves, act like a maitre d' uh-huh. with journalists. So okay. help them do their work. Right. So know what their work is. 
And in secular media, you've got feature reporters, you've got news reporters, you've got event calendar reporters, what's on in the city. Okay. There's so many different types of reporters and also uh, different media types, blogs, websites, uh, okay. you know, news channels, feature programs made that are produced in the city. So know your media and then make everything available to them. Uh, I'll mention to you because I know when uh, Thomas Collins, when the news came out, yeah. I mean, uh, there, w there must have been 23 trucks outside the cathedral yeah. just to interview him. I don't know how they've managed that. But one of the things that I know the communications office at the Archives of Toronto did is they sent the newspapers a full page with a drawing explaining all the vestments of the cardinal. This is what the ring means. Is within it. And you know what? It was published. Excellent, excellent. I think the National Post published it. Excellent. So, but that seemed to me like I don't know if I would have had the insight to do that. Mm -hmm. I think I would have been like, oh, they're not interested. But clearly they were. So, what uh, what made that work? Well, the, the anticipating what is service to media. Uh -huh. And so, the communications departments of any organization, a church, a parish, a fundraising group, a CWL, Catholic Women's League, they need to, to anticipate. What is it that they have that could be newsworthy? What mm -hmm. is it that they have, uh, whether it's a fundraiser or a milestone or a big campaign or even a fundraising campaign? What do they have that's, that could be newsworthy? And then preparing to make it appear really newsworthy. And with a big thing, complicated with vestments or something that requires visual pic pictograms, right. infographics, stats, polls. Whenever you feel like there's a heck of a lot of a story there in depth, then you got to break it down. Right. And nothing is better than breaking something down than visuals. Okay, so that's good. And uh, but you also mentioned that you mentioned that there are different types of of journalists, different, you know, if it's events or whatever. So we yeah. have to figure out who is the best person that might want to maybe it is an event or maybe it's not. Maybe it is news or, or featured news or whatever. So that's yeah. maybe something to pick on pick up later because <laughs> I wanted to ask you about kind of the, the cycle of news, that, yes. that news is cyclical, so like every Valentine, February, whatever, they're going to do a story about love, yes. or you know, maybe that's an opportunity to pitch something about marriage. Yes. Would, uh, how would you suggest we kind of get into the role of the cycle of the news? Ju let's just look at humanity. Let's look at, uh, you know, almost anthropology. What do people do at certain types of the, uh, times of the year? So Christmas, you mentioned Valentine's. It could be a commercial observation like Valentine's Day or Mother's Day, which uh -huh. was led by commercial entities yeah, and associations. Yeah, yeah. But you can also look at normal stuff like in, I think in May and June, there's a high marriage. Uh, right. You know, high, uh, the marriage weddings, halls yeah. are fully booked yeah. uh, in October and all that. So if we look at that, October could be harvest and cornucopia and Thanksgiving. Right. If we know that, we, we can know with certainty that editors and assignment desks of the major media outlets that we so desperately sometimes want to penetrate with our Catholic faith-based me message, that they are assigning writers, reporters, junior people to research novel stories. Pressure is there right. every season. Okay, it's, it's Thanksgiving, what are we going to do this year? And it's happened before where they, they, if you hit them at the right time, connect with them at the right time, they'll say, hmm, that's a fresh perspective. And as long as you make it unbiased, right, objective, they have no reason to shut you down once, twice, three times. You'll get through. You'll get How there. How soon? Okay, so if, if we're looking at Thanksgiving, that's yeah. in okay in Canada. It's in October, and the U.S. is in no, November. November. How many month out do I be need to be thinking of pitching a story? I, it's it's very it's something in the industry called their lead time. Uh huh. Uh, a, a television production like you see on the Food Network. Yeah. Takes months to prep. Yeah. That's like five, six, eight months lead time. Sometimes a year. Right. A magazine like a uh, Flair. Or you know any of the d different magazines, Chatelaine, they're four or five months out. Okay. But then if you're looking at a, a weekly paper like the Catholic Register, uh -huh. or a, or a, a monthly magazine like Ligorian in the United States, yeah, they might have a one or two month lead time. So if you reach them out, if you want coverage in October, 
for Lagorian, you'd reach out to them in maybe August. Okay, so it's different then depending on how you what the coverage. But for daily news, daily for news is a couple of weeks or, or a couple really days. A couple of weeks. Okay. Well, some, you know, if you're trying to get into the Saturday paper, it's yeah. a couple of weeks or yes. a couple, you know, several days. But if you're l they're looking for uh, daily coverage the next day, then it's you know maybe 24 hours, wow. 48 hours. So you it's need lead. to write a book, Danny. There's so much information here. We're so out of time, but we're gonna continue this conversation once a month. Media Ministry Minutes with Danny Torque. This is very useful. I hope it's very useful. If you guys find this useful, send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Let us know what questions you have. Let us know how we can help you promote your event. Um, maybe that's a service we can provide right there. Yeah, absolutely. Salt and Light Happy does. to help, yeah. Thank you, Danny Torquia. He's the Director of Marketing and Development for Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation. Hi, I'm Christian Matrenko, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio, and you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you're looking for a great way to introduce the topic of relationships and sex with your teenager and you haven't been paying attention because we've been talking about it a lot, authors Brett Salkeld and Leah Perot have a new book titled How Far Can You Go? It's available now through Amazon.com. And here now, all the way from Ottawa, she's at the Youth Minister's uh, Conference, is Sheridan Hi, Pedro. Hello, hello. Good. How's it going? It's going really well. It's been amazing so far. Uh, we've got young people from around the country gathered here for this event, and the weekend kicked off yesterday with a keynote address by Archbishop Terence Prendergast mm -hmm. at the Basilica of Notre Dame, and the evening concluded with adoration, which is very appropriate, yes. as this year's theme is Be Still and Know That I Am Lord, nice. which is, of course, taken from the Psalms. So, um, yeah, so I'm just going to go right into the events for us. Yeah. Okay, so starting out in Vancouver on March the 15th, next week, Thursday, there is an evening of learning with Archbishop Miller and Dr. Chris Morrissey, and they're going to talk about Thomas Aquinas, who is considered, of course, as you well know, the greatest theologian and philosopher of the Church. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be at the Northwest Auditorium at Trinity Western University, and the event is sponsored by Redeemer Pacific College. And for more information on that event, you can check out the Archdiocese of Vancouver's website at rcav.org. And in Calgary, Alberta, there's a benefit concert to feed the hungry, and that's going to be on Saturday, March the 24th, and about two weeks from now at St. Mary's Cathedral Hall, and tickets for students are $15, and for adults, it's going to be $25. Mm -hmm. And this event is hosted by the Diocese of Calgary, uh, Stewardship Office, Feed the Hungry, and the University of Calgary's Catholic Community. So you can check out the Archdiocese of Calgary's uh, website for more information at calgarydiocese.ca, or you can uh, email for tickets at stewardship at calgarydiocese.ca. And in the Diocese of Saskatoon, the annual marriage banquet is being held on Saturday, April the 21st, and so that's just in just over a month. And the evening will consist of Mass with Bishop Don, and there will be a keynote address followed by a dance. Mm -hmm. And so everyone is welcome, and it's $90 per couple. And what I think is really cool about this, it's free for anyone who is in marriage prep right now. Oh, very good. Yes, I thought that was really great, a great initiative. And uh, that's in the Diocese of Saskatoon. You can contact your parish to register or get more information from the Pastoral Center, and you can call them toll-free at 1-877-661-5005 or visit them at saskatoonrcdiocese.com. 
And in the Diocese of Montreal, for anyone who is interested in attending World Youth Day Rio on Wednesday, March 21st, uh, in just over a week, at the Archdiocese of Montreal, they've got a, you know, come and learn session. Yeah. And that's for anyone between the ages of 18 and 35 who wants to go to Rio. Definitely a great opportunity to go to this meeting, especially if you're a group leader. Uh, you're, you're just going to go with a couple of friends. So that's at the Diocese Montreal, the diocesemontreal.org, for more information. And in Toronto next week, Monday, March the 12th, um, in a series called For People in the Pews, there will be a lecture on everyday bioethics at Holy Rosary Parish. That's from 7 to 9 p.m. with Dr. Moira McQueen. And so that's all for tonight. That's very good. Thank you very much. Uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend, Sheridan. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. Very good. It's always God. always fun when uh, youth ministers from across the country gather together. Yes, uh, very exciting. Lots of great energy. Um, thank you very much, Sheridan. All the way from Ottawa. Now, don't go anywhere because coming up in our second half hour, a featured chat with Ralph Martin of Renewal Ministries about his book, The Fulfillment of All Desire, and our featured artist, Chris Bray. Do you have kids coming of age wondering how you're going to talk to them about the uncomfortable and awkward topic of teen relationships? A new book, How Far Can We Go?, by authors Leah Perot and Brett Salkeld is a clear, concise, and fun guide on sex and dating for Catholics. This short book is a must-read for anyone who has to deal with these questions from young people. Look for it at your local bookstores or order it online at Amazon.com. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio Part 2. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. Now, throughout my life, I've tried reading some of the church fathers and doctors of the church, St. Augustine or St. Teresa of Avila. I even tried reading St. John of the Cross in Spanish. But I always have a hard time. I have to read each paragraph four times. I don't know if it's the translations or the fact that they wrote for another time in other cultures, or maybe I'm just not ready to read what they wrote. But then I was given a book called The Fulfillment of All Desire, a guidebook for the journey to God, based on the wisdom of the saints by Ralph Martin. In fact, it was Ralph Martin who gave me the book to help me understand some of these doctors of the church. And so I'm very happy to welcome Ralph Martin to our program today. Ralph, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you, Pedro. It's good to be with you. I know. Um, so why did you write the book? Well, I wanted to know what was available in terms of the best wisdom the church had about how to really cooperate with God's plan to bring us into complete and full union with Him. And I knew that, you know, there was wisdom in these doctors of the Church in the area of spirituality, the ones you mentioned, and more. Mm -hmm. And when I first tried to read them, I, I couldn't get it either. I found it really hard. And then, about 15 years ago, it's like the light started to go on, and I felt like almost like the Lord wanted me at this point to understand it. Right. And and the more I read these these uh, men and women, uh, you know, like Teresa and Therese and John of the Cross and Francis de Sales and uh, other people, mm -hmm. I was really struck by how harmonious their wisdom was, and they were really talking about the same action of God and the same wisdom, but they each had their own little kind of thing to add to it. Right. And I thought, wow, if you could ever collect together all this wisdom and put it in an organized, clear, orderly, easy-to-understand way, mm -hmm. you'd have an amazing guide, you know, for the spiritual journey. 
So that, that's what I did. It took me 10 years, but uh, I did it, and I, it's the book I always wanted, wished I had. So it's the book, the book that you could never find for yourself. You decided right. to write it. Um, how, much of, how much of the book is, is a guide to help people like me understand what the doctors of the church wrote, and how much of it is just a guide, as you, desc- as you describe in the title, a guide for this journey, our spiritual journey? Well, it's a guide for the spiritual journey because this is what all these doctors of the Church were really about, offering guidance on the spiritual journey. But what I've done in the book is kind of take what they they have and put it in, you know, contemporary language and put it in a clear, orderly way so you don't get lost along the way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's like a beginning, a middle, and the end to the journey, and you run into different things along the way. and this like tremendous insight that each one has about mm-hmm. different aspects of the journey and it's, it's pretty it's a pretty comprehensive uh, map i would say right so uh, i sometimes wonder I, I guess most people catholics in general don't get to uh, to read or to hear about the writings of some of these saints the mm-hmm. doctors of the church um and i always find that you know it's like we're stuck in in, in either catechism the, the I don't want to say the catechism is the do's and don'ts, but for, for, for a lot of people they are. Mm-hmm. And then there's this other stuff. Would you say that the wisdom of the saints, how is it related to, to sort of the, the catechism? Yeah. And, because it's, it's when people talk about tr- the tradition or the magisterium, how much of that is the wisdom of the saints, the doctors of the church, and how much of that is this other stuff? Is there a difference? Well, you know, it, it all is supposed to work together for one purpose, like the the doctrine, the truths of the faith, the sacraments of the church, uh, the devotional practices, mm-hmm. the structures of the church, the parish, the diocese, they're all actually supposed to be in the service of bringing human beings into deep and profound and eternal union with God. Mm-hmm. So spirituality is a little bit like where the rubber hits the road. You want to speak, say, you know, like where all the doctrine and all the structures and all the the aspects of the life of the church come together in the soul of the individual believer right. and help that individual believer really kind of give themselves more and more fully to God and live in union with him. So it's sort of like the uh, the last link in the chain. The, the last link? Well, in terms of... You know, you get baptized as a baby. Oh, I see. Okay. You know, you you enter, you know, you go through the different sacraments, and all these things are about bringing us into deep union I with see. the Lord. I see. And what the spiritual wisdom of the saints does is kind of help us understand what's going on in the sacraments, help us know how to cooperate with the action of the Holy Spirit, help us know how to interpret the prob- problems right. and obstacles and frustrations and failures and suffering that we encounter right. along the way. Yeah, okay, so that makes sense. So then I don't feel so bad about the fact that 20 years ago I didn't get it because... I wasn't at that stage in my so it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's it's, an, it's a process of progressive awakening to what this is really all about and what I've always known and always believed, but now it's becoming realer and realer and more and more personal and more and more meaningful and more and more actually making a difference in my life. I hope I'm not kind of treading on dangerous ground here because we we believe that the the fullness of revelation is in scripture. Um, but is it fair to say that that the revelation? God's revelation to us is uh, is still contained in the writings of the saints. Well, I, I would say that the the wisdom, the the revelation of God is contained in Scripture and tradition, uh-huh. and I would say that the writings of the saints have become part of the spiritual tradition. But it illumines, it illumines what's given in. Uh, 
in Scripture and what's been passed on by the apostles. Like, for example, we read in Scripture, all your waters pass over me, uh, you know, I'm in darkness, I'm crying out for help. And then right. John of the Cross then kind of goes into depth about what that experience is like and what it means and how to handle ourselves when it seems like all the waters are pouring over us and we're right. sinking and all our enemies are, are arrayed against us. It's sort of like unfolds the personal meaning of Scripture and right. tradition uh, in, in our lives. Right. And the, the reason why I'm asking is because since I spoke to you a, a week ago, in the last week, I've heard from two people. In fact, one of them is Deacon Alex Jones, who said that he was brought to the Catholic Church because of the, the early writers, the early mm-hmm. Christian fathers. Mm-hmm. And then at the Ordinandi dinner last week, one of the seminarians said the same thing. He, he became a Catholic because of the writings of the church, mm-hmm. the doctors of the church. Mm-hmm. And so it made me think that there's, that the Holy Spirit, we, we talk about how the Holy Spirit is, in, you know, the, the scriptures are alive, mm-hmm. the word of God. How mm-hmm. much of that is true? Mm-hmm. And I don't see why I think it's maybe dangerous because I, I don't know if I want to equate it, scripture with some of these writings. But no, you, no, it can't. There's nothing. There's nothing on the same level as, as as sacred scripture and sacred tradition, and and there's nothing on the same level as sacred scripture and the early fathers of the church. But what these later doctors of the church, uh, some of whom are early fathers and some are, are later doctors, um, uh, what they do is unfold mm-hmm. what's been given to us and illuminate and you know elaborate on it and connect it with us personally. Right, and because they were people like you and me who lived (laughs) struggles, and and that maybe we can relate to them better. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely. Like like Saint Therese writes that she's been in the convent for almost seven years, and almost every time she she prays, she falls asleep, and she's not discouraged because she knows that God loves her even while she's sleeping. Or Teresa Avila writes for 14 years, her mind was like wild horses, and she couldn't pray without reading a book of spiritual reading. And so it's really encouraging to me to to know these people don't start off as saints. They they grow into this holiness and grow into union with God, and they give a lot of tips along the way about how to how to do that ourselves. Right. So if people who are listening right now find themselves struggling, you know, they want to read St. Augustine Confessions, but they just can't, they just mm-hmm. can't get past, what mm-hmm. would you suggest to them? Well, I, that, that's why I wrote this book, honestly. Uh, it, it, <laughs> get it, the book. It, it, yeah, it, it, makes, it makes available the, the, the real wisdom of these saints without compromise. I'm not kind of dumbing down what they're, what they're giving mm-hmm. to us, but I'm putting it in understandable, you know, language and so the, the book, Fulfillment of All Desire, a, a guidebook for the journey to God based on the wisdom of saints, is I, I, I'd recommend people start there, and then they might want to branch out and start reading the writings themselves. But I contained a lot of, I put a lot of the actual words of these saints and doctors into the book where people can actually have firsthand what they're saying. Right, So, and you focus on seven of them, St. Augustine, yep. St. Teresa, St. Therese, St. Francis of Sales, St. John of the Cross. St. Catherine, wait, who am I referring Catherine Siena and Bernard Clairvaux, de Clairvaux. Augustine, yeah. Right, so, yeah. so that would be a good introduction. Those are good seven, seven ones to start with. Yeah, well, these, no, these are the ones that particularly focus on the spiritual journey. Okay. O- others like Thomas Aquinas or like Systematic Theology or Alphonse Liguori, Moral Theology or John Chrysostom, Interpretation of Scripture or others, you know, re- refutation of heresy, but these, there's right. only 33 doctors of the Church, uh-huh. and these are the ones that have a particular gift of helping us understand how to get from 
baptism to the beatific vision and right. navigate the challenges of daily life. Right, which is what I think where most people are. This is mm-hmm. how we live our Absolutely. life. This is the journey. We're all f- hopefully pointing in the right direction. Yeah, and salt and light is healthy people on the journey. You know? <laughs> oh, so is Renewal Ministries. Yeah. Um, Ralph, it's been great having you on the program. Thank you for... Uh, for being with us, for, for, for your friendship, for giving me the book, and, and for telling us about it today. Thank you, Pedro. Ralph Martin has been a leader in renewal movement in the church for many years. He is the founder and president of Renewal Ministries and the host of the weekly program, The Choices We Face. He's also the author of many books, including the book we've just been talking about, The Fulfillment of All Desire, which is available online. You can find it at Amazon and uh, uh, also through Renewal Ministries. And also you should be able to find it at your local Catholic bookstore. It's published by Emmaus Road. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Chris Bray, with his rendition of Here I Am. By the Lord of sea and sky I have heard my people cry All who dwell in dark and sin my hand will save I who made the stars of night I will make their darkness bright Who will veil my light to them Whom shall I send
Chris Bray with Here I Am Lord from his latest album, Let Hope Arise. Now, I've said this before. In my opinion, Chris Bray is probably the newest, freshest voice in the Canadian worship scene, although (laughs) he's not that new anymore or fresh. Um, He's doing very, very well. Chris has a new single, Hope Arise, and he joins me now on the phone for a featured chat. Chris, welcome back to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you. So I'm... (laughs) <laughs> I know we, we've talked about this, but I'm a little confused. So you have a new, it's the new single, Hope Arise, but the album, Let Hope Arise, which the song is in, is, was out over a year ago. So how does that, I'm confused. Yeah, and you know what, a lot of people uh, sometimes get confused with that. When, you know, when it comes to marketing CDs and, um, and promoting them and, and doing all that kind of the business element of it, um, usually you start before a record is ever released, you release a song yeah. to, uh, to radio. And, yep. and so I did that. And my first one was, was a song called More Each Day. Yep. And then after that, um, you know, usually the record comes out. And um, part of what I've, the work that I've done is, you know, just going around to different radio stations and retail stores and kind of helping them in their promotional efforts, and which in turn kind of helps the CD. And um, so after that, I released another single from the record, which was called Salvation Belongs to Our God. Yeah. Okay. And then now I'm just in the, in the stages where um, that, uh, that last single, Salvation, uh, you know, has kind of gone its course as far as radio, and, uh, and we're ready to release the next one, uh, which is Hope Arise. Do you work with a, a marketing team, or how do you sort that out? Yeah, well, you know, I seek direction everywhere I can get it, and <laughs> it's it's definitely a team effort, and there's a lot of um, thinking and planning that goes into it. Um, but uh, but at the end of the day, you know, it's just about uh, getting the music out there so that it will be useful for people. And and number one is my ministry goal, which is to lead people closer to uh, to God and, and to right. enhance their relationship with Him. Yeah, we haven't. You've been on the show uh, so many times, and we haven't really ever had a chance to talk a lot about your personal life because you're married. You have two daughters. Um, mm-hmm. How much of that team is your wife? Oh, she's a hundred percent and more. It's, it's uh, yeah. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be able to do uh, what I do in ministry. And she uh, she's sacrificed a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people don't don't realize, you know, how much of a commitment it takes. And so she's been so good over the years uh, in supporting me, and um, not only not only supporting what I do in ministry, but also kind of taking picking up the slack um, in our family life and in our relationship when I just haven't been able to right. uh, be present because I'm away or uh, or I'm I'm kind of focused on on a new initiative or something like that. So she's just been, she's just been so huge and so good about uh, supporting that. Yeah. Isn't that a good thing? Are you, you're in full-time ministry right now though. You're not. I am not. 
You're no. not. Okay. It's, so you have a job? I do, yeah. Which <laughs> it, it, um, It's funny you say full-time ministry because I, I feel like I'm in full-time ministry yeah. because of the sheer number of events that I do. I guess year. what I mean, yeah, is um, yeah. Are you making a living from solely from ministry? Because that's very hard. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people in ministry struggle with that, and um, I've never wanted to have business affect ministry decisions. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like, obviously, yeah. it costs money to to run and operate a ministry. Yeah. Um, and and I always hated having to make business decisions. Um, for ministry events and and initiatives and things that we wanted to do, and I find that ha- you know having another job has uh, has been a little bit of a benefit in that way because it still kind of allows me um, the flexibility to maybe do stuff that I wouldn't be able to do financially if I was full time. Right. You know, events that maybe it's not about uh, getting paid an enormous amount; it's more about what God's doing right. in that place and with those people and. And I still have the opportunity to be able to, um, you know, be part of that and see how God's working. So that's been really cool. But does it make it harder? I mean, because you also have a family. So you have a job, yep. you have a family, you're you're doing events in evenings or you're traveling. So Yeah. That, and you know what? I feel really blessed because um, my job has been so flexible um, and, and understanding. You know, I work with the Catholic school board. Right. And uh, so... <laughs> So if I need to travel for ministry, you know, they're, they're really understanding with that. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's almost like having two full-time jobs. Yeah. And, and it's sometimes hard to balance your family life, ministry, and work, and, yeah. and kind of having a, a happy medium with all of those. So, yeah. so it has been difficult, and, I, you know, I'm still trying to figure it out, and um, huh. I'm just sort of following where God's leading. How old are your two daughters? Molly will be three at the end of this oh, month. Great. Nora uh, is a year and a half. She was born last and year. And we're actually expecting number three. Um, oh, good. The middle of May. Congratulations. So, so yeah, what do you. maybe Nora is a little too young? But what does Molly think about Daddy and and his music? Well, she uh, she's definitely a fan. I think she sings along with the music, and she's been coming to the events more so in the last six months. And uh, and she's just she enjoys it. She really loves music and kind of standing and dancing and, and right. you know we we have um you know through prayer time as a family and prayer before bed she's really grown in a relationship with god and she has a clear understanding of what that is for a three-year-old yeah um almost three-year-old so it's it's really neat to see her kind of develop in that area nice good, part good. Of it. um i wanted to ask you about you were i know it was almost a year ago but you were in nashville last year uh, and you had the chance to co-write with uh, two uh, uh, excellent writers, Michael Farron and Paul Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, tell me a little bit about that. How how do you ended up having that opportunity, and what what was it like? Yeah, it was kind of neat to sort of happen to fall on my lap. I was planning on being in town for an event that I was going to be singing at with Point of Grace. Yeah, and um, and it just so happened that. You know, my manager is in uh, Nashville, and so we thought we would make kind of the most of the week and and arrange for some songwriting sessions and some meetings and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it just worked out that they were both available. And Michael Farron is from the band Pocketful of Rocks. Yeah, which, um, people would probably know him uh, from the most. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's just an amazing writer. He's done a lot of uh, of great songs. 
um, you know, he's written written songs for a lot of people's uh, a lot of different people's records, and so he just had a really cool story. We connected well um, because of his heart and ministry, mm-hmm. and he was on the road for. I think it was something like 14 or 15 years with Pocket Full of Rocks. Yeah. And we really connected well that way. Good. Paul Allen, um, you know, we connected because we're both, uh, we're both fathers, and he's, he's doing ministry as well and doing some writing. And, and um, we connected well because, uh, you know, we both kind of have the same brain, like a really analytical um, business sense type of a brain. And, and I really appreciated, uh, you know, just his discernment process in, in ministry. And um, I think probably with both sessions, we ended up talking for half of it rather than writing. But uh, it's just, you know, that's all kind of part of it is the relationship. Right. And, yeah, nice. And so I, I found that really reassuring, and, um, and it was kind of cool. And, and then I found out, actually, um, Michael Farron was going to be writing with uh, Carrie Joe, who I'm a huge fan of. Uh-huh. Uh, like the next day, they were having a writing session, and I got Did all excited to- and... Yeah, it was just a really cool experience. Yeah, nice. Did you, so the the songs that you wrote are in the works for a uh, next album, or or what's? Uh, do you have anything in, in the works right now? You know, I I'm not formally planning the next album. I'm I'm always writing, um, mm-hmm. but I just uh, you know I haven't really started that process, gearing up for the next one. I imagine probably uh, probably in the next year or so that'll begin. But um, but yeah, you know we, we those those writing. Um, occasions were were very fruitful and so so if there's an opportunity to use those songs yeah that's the way i'm going to yeah nice so we'll uh, have to keep our uh, our ears open our eyes open for that um so um i know that you have a couple uh, i mean you're always doing this or that but you have a couple uh, gigs coming up march 24th at uh west oro baptist church so if anybody's <laughs> in that area in uh, that's kind of southern ontario i guess um simcoe area um, and in, on June 10th at St. Michael's Church in London, Ontario again. So if people are in the area and they want to catch Chris Bray, March 24th, West Oro Baptist Church, and June 10th at St. Michael's Church in London. You can get more information uh, at chrisbraymusic.com. Chris, thank you very much. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Um, thanks for sharing a little bit about your family with us today. And congratulations on the on what you've been doing and on the new the single I guess people can start hearing it uh, on uh, Christian radios across the country that's right thanks so much for having me not a problem that was Chris Bray again if you'd like to know more about him or purchase his music visit him at chrisbraymusic.com here is Chris now with his new hit single Hope Arise to the one who carries the burden alone God is near strength to go on God is here Faithful is our Lord For He can heal Let hope arise Let Him have all your burdens Feel the freedom inside Let hope On the Lord to supply 